0: You're listening to The Ecopreneur Show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs and creatives on how they can make a positive and meaningful impact in the world. I'm your host, Vanina. Every other week, I hang out with entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are creating real-life solutions for a more sustainable future. I feel by having raw conversations with ecopreneurs that I'll keep on inspiring us to take action in our own lives. Thanks for tuning in. This week, I hung out with Leanne Moyer, the owner of Frigg's Mercantile and Make and Take Studio, a DIY space where you can buy specialized bulk products and learn to make your own bath and beauty products. She's also the owner of the Portland's Moms blog. In this episode, we talk about taking the leap, how she started three businesses while being a mother of four, and the funny story about how she got into the DIY movement. about how did you make the transition from um, being a uh, clinical speech pathologist um, to the whole transition to Frigg's Mercantile? Uh, I mean, I I know it's like a whole journey, but I'd love to know kind of...
1: Intermediary steps. Yes, in between. between. Well, I should preface it by saying that I started out as a speech therapist thinking that was going to be like forever. Okay. Um, And I was a clinical speech pathologist in a hospital, so it looks very different if you work in a school. But for me very quickly after i started working in the hospital at the time i had when i first started i had two kids and i was pregnant with my third and it was really hard to manage having um you know two kids at home then it turned into three and then i had my fourth and it was while i was on leave with my fourth that i made the decision to leave and it was mostly based on just difficulties with scheduling Mm -hmm. you know ironically it's like um Uh, Teachers and nurses, um, those are female-dominated professions, and they're really not that flexible when it comes to families. So like, I was having a hard time with if somebody got sick then or had to go to the doctor or even school closure days Mm -hmm. and just figuring out how to do all of that. And I know that those are problems that everybody, all working moms and dads, face. But for me, it was the inability to just leave. Mm. That was really hard. Um, And it was my husband who was picking up all the slack. So um, I had been sort of like a little bit iffy on the job in the first place. And so once I had that fourth kid, I was, well, once I was pregnant with that fourth kid, I was looking at what are some other alternatives that I could do. And I had been um, all the while, all through grad school, everything, I'd been doing some uh, marketing work on the side. So I had formed a little marketing LLC and just like funneled my work through there. And um, while I was pregnant, I had the opportunity to kind of ramp that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So after my daughter was born, I just looked at what are, you know, what are the advantages of this? What are the disadvantages of that? Could I really scale things differently Mm -hmm. and leave speech pathology to Mm -hmm. um, do this marketing stuff from home? Right. and so I, I did, like, I took the kids out of daycare two days a week wow. and, you know, kind of changed our um, expenses that way. Wow. And then I just full fully jumped from um, speech pathology back into marketing work, which I'd been doing before. I went back to graduate school for speech pathology anyway, so.
0: Right. How did you know when to take the transition, you know,
1: to take the sort of leap? Um, I, you know... I wish I could say, like, I, I knew it was the right choice, but I really didn't – I don't think I really knew. Right. I think I was just – I was, like, panicking. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's been so hard to manage all of this scheduling and all this stuff, and I'm not even really necessarily all that happy in my job, and it's stressful, and what if I just did this differently? Right. So it was more, like <laughs> – it was more out of that than out of, like, oh, this would be wonderful if I could, <laughs> if I could switch gears, right? Um, I, I mean – I, when I went on maternity leave with my daughter, I was planning on returning, right. but between having her and the couple months I took off, right. um, and, and I should say that during those months that I had off with her, cause you can't really bring a baby to a hospital <laughs> for work, but I was able to do the marketing stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and that kind of opened my eyes a little bit mm-hmm. that like, maybe I could work from home or, you know, have the kids... In daycare part time, and you know, make something work. Right. So that that made me more comfortable making the decision. Yeah,
0: to have that because
1: you already this- a little bit of background there. Was it right then that you
0: started doing the Portland's Moms blog?
1: No. So that was that was like one of those times where the universe spoke to me. Um. And so I formally told my um employer that I was not going to be returning from my maternity leave, um, in early November, okay. and. I didn't really know because I had been doing the marketing 20 ish hours a week, right. right? So I knew that wasn't gonna be enough to sustain me, but I also, I mean, I didn't know what I was gonna do next. And it was like four days after I formally told them that I wasn't gonna be returning that I had the opportunity, or I discovered the opportunity, to take over ownership of Portland Moms Blog. So it was one of those things where I, f- I found it via Facebook. Through a networking group that I was part of. The previous owner had posted something saying, I've been doing this and I'm searching for a new owner. And um, it was so it just kinda landed in my newsfeed. <laughs> and uh, and I did some research and it was just like the stars aligned. Wow. Um, so I started that pretty much right away.
0: How long are you were you doing that and then started transitioning to Friggs and Mercantile? How did you yeah. make that sort of like sort of jump again. Right.
1: Well, so I took over Portland Moms Blog in um, January, formally in January of 2017. Right. And I opened Frigg's in March of 2018. Okay. But I had had the idea of Frigg's all all the while in right. the back of my mind. Yeah. And I'd been exploring. I'd been doing little, like, um, you know, analyses of competitors and so on. There's no real competitors, but, you know, what yeah. does the market look like? Right. And um, And then I had also been teaching little workshops here and there around the city. Hmm. So it wasn't... it. That just sort of started speeding up uh, over the course of that year beforehand. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I guess I would say I started seriously looking at it and putting plans in place in fall. Wow. Okay. So it was, you know, nine, ten months of right. just here and there. Of
0: the blog and then kind of yeah. f- feeling it out. Exactly. And then how did you know when you wanted to open up like the same sort of thing, you know, I mean, I, was it also kind of like it, it slowly started happening or did you just make the leap or did you set a date or a deadline? Uh,
1: I, uh, sort of looked into finances and all that made sure that I could have something lined up, um, in fall. And then I just started looking for spaces and I just was like, this is never going to happen. Um, and I was kind of comfortable with like, if something works out, then I'll do it. I mean, it's just, it's very, very expensive here. Okay. And it was also intimidating since I had no um, brick and mortar experience before. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's like, do you, do you need a commercial advisor? Do you need to, you know, how do you do all that? Gotcha. And another, like the universe aligned kind of situation, a spot opened up across the street from my kid's uh, childcare center. Oh, wow. yeah. And it was just a guy, like he wasn't going through an agency or, or any of that. Also a father of four kids, super nice human being. Awesome. You know, I reached out to him and was like, hey, I saw this thing. And he was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> and so when that came um, out as a possibility, yeah. that was when I was like, oh, well, maybe <laughs> I can make this go. Right. And so, that, and I think I found that space in... Um, again, November, (laughs) um, but you know, of the following year, but, um, and, and I was just sort of negotiating with him for a little while. And then I took over the lease in January.
0: Did you know it was going to be mostly just like accompanied, um, a retail store plus a workshop space? Do you, do you feel like it was going to be more retail than workshop? Like, how did you kind of define that? Um, because since it's kind of a combination of both.
1: Yeah, it was originally in my mind, it was going to be mostly retail. And some workshops, okay. maybe like once a week workshops. Right. Um, and that was wrong. <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't necessarily wrong. I just, first of all, discovered that, um, you know, retail's hard. Yeah. It's not really a good time to be in retail. Mm. And you could sit there for an entire day and only sell one thing mm. versus if you do workshop. You kind of know what you're, you know, if you sell your tickets ahead of time, you know, if it's going to, you know, if you're going to be able to make it work or not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you can't sell a workshop, you don't go to the workshop. Gotcha. And so it's not time. It's not time wasted. Exactly. Versus retail where you're you can spend a long time doing a lot of things and maybe it won't pay off. So, um, no, originally I was thinking it was going to be mostly retail some workshops, yeah. um, and you yeah, very quickly I realized that it wasn't going to work that way. Mm. What really took it to took off for me was um, like parties, birthday parties, right. uh, bachelorette parties. Huh. <laughs> um, I've even done a couple baby showers, which oh. is really cute. Um, so th- when if you're hosting an event like that, you can't also be a store. Right, so I would close the store,
0: right.
1: do, the, do the party, do the cleanup, reopen. Right. But what happens to if you've advertised your hours are, you know, 12 to 6? Right. And it's right. closed from 12 to 3.
0: Right. Or whatever. So it's all, yeah, so it's, yeah, so people are like, wait, but there was, a, there was you yeah, know, yeah, I was I planning to come here and then you have a workshop
1: going at the same time. It's right. closed for a private event and, you know, so it sort of just got, started getting sticky and okay. I don't have any employees, right. it's just me. Um, and even so in that space even if there had been an employee able to help with some retail part of it yep. i think anybody would feel awkward walking into a party that they weren't invited to <laughs> right, you know? to buy something at a store no you know, know like, nobody yeah, wants just, to do that yeah. <laughs> so on two sides it just didn't work right. so i was after you know starting to have more and more bookings and more and more events going on and i was closing more and more often mm-hmm. I also do workshops offsite, so mm-hmm. I'd be gone for half the day because I would go travel somewhere, do a workshop, travel back. Uh, so I, you know, it just it, yeah, it's it's impossible to have a. Re- I mean, it's not impossible, but in a small space, yeah. as one person, I right. think it's impossible to have both retail and workshops right. happening. Okay.
0: So you you mentioned that you think it's a it's a tough time to be in retail. Why do you think that is?
1: Um, probably online stuff mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the whole sort of concept behind the shop slash studio is Mm -hmm. learn to do stuff yourself and we don't need to buy all the things we do need to buy ingredients and we do need to buy, you know, supplies if they're specialized to, to, to be able to make something yourself. And so I wanted to be able to provide those things. Mm -hmm. But if you're, you know, let's beeswax, that's like a big seller. People are always coming in for beeswax, which is great. Um, but if you're, you know, you're selling to somebody a pound of beeswax, a lot of people are just going to go online to get a pound of beeswax. Mm, okay, yeah. You know, it's it's not something that you feel like you have to specially get. Right. It's not like a, a cured meat that only comes from this one special store or whatever. Right, right. Uh, there are different levels of beeswax and, you know, some is better than other beeswax. but I don't think people see it that way necessarily. Not, I do like people in Portland who make the effort to shop locally or make the effort to come in to support a local business, totally. but that's not everybody. Right. So I think that's part of it. I also just think people are just trying to buy less things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I'm trying to buy less things, yeah. so I get it. Yeah. Um. But yeah.
0: So it makes sense why people don't, buy as much and you know you're like you said you're making one sale a day and you know you're waiting there for that one sale if you do make that sale and that's kind of really tricky if you're competing with an online store I mean you also mentioned that you know you do have people that um like myself who bring like their own containers and things like that too did you feel like um that started happening really early on or was it something because people started knowing about you that you know they were bringing their own containers um for that sort of thing
1: Um, no, it definitely was because people started knowing about me, that they would bring in their own containers. I mean, I've always had a sign up that says, if you bring your own containers, we offer a discount and I would love it if you do and so on and so forth. But that, you know, that doesn't mean that those are the people who are showing up. So no, it was the good fortune of having Jenica show up, Mm -hmm. um, one day and she, and she was surprised to learn that I had, she had found me online looking for some specific, um, ingredient Hmm. And then she was surprised to see that I, I mean, I don't know, surprise is the right word, but she was glad to see that I had the sign that said, bring your own container. And then she was like, oh, and the zero waste thing and so on and so forth. So it was just, um, again, circumstance, like good fortune that she came in. And then I think that um, just, I had been sort of here and there in the zero waste space. So it just sort of started to happen.
0: And I just want to say, uh, Jenica is also the owner of the Zero Waste. Um, sorry, uh, Zero Waste Wisdom. She has a personal blog. Just for oh, yeah, listeners who doesn't don't know who who Jenica yeah. is for for that yeah. sort of thing. Um, she's awesome and amazing. Yeah. Um, but that's cool that she had like. Kind of helped provide that sort of traction. I mean, I was one of those people. I mean, I know Jenica, so that's when I realized, like, oh, there's this great option that I, you know, because for me, I'm I was looking everywhere to find, you know, uh, you know, beeswax because I'm one of those people that doesn't like it in packaging. So, but that's a very I feel like niche customer that you're you're getting um, for that sort of thing. Uh, Also, because you know, I I think the combination of zero wasters are also um, you know try to have less too. So it's also like, it's, it's not as common that you get them because they're not buying as much
1: like you said too. I was going to say is that like, as consumerism is going down and you know, I mean, yeah,
0: Yeah. I mean, it's great for both, but it's like, you know, you to have a thriving business, they need to kind of go hand in hand.
1: Were it solely based on retail? Yeah.
0: How did you decide to also sell, like sell it in bulk instead of packaging? Like, why did that make sense for you?
1: Yeah, I do have it packaged for people who don't, bring containers. Right. Um, and in that, and in those circumstances, I try to always package it and, you know, some sort of sustainable option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, I've, I've inherited a lot of would have been going to the dump sort of packaging. So there's, that's been cool too, because nice. I've been able to have some packaging. I will tell you though, that package packaging is like my least favorite part of all of it. Like yeah. the events that I do, the retail that I do, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the most expensive part, hmm. um, and the most you know. I don't, I don't want it there. Okay. Part. Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, um, like you can't it's... send lotion yeah. home, right, in a paper bag, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could, but it'd be super <laughs> messy. So, like the the cost of the ingredients. Let's say I do a lotion making workshop, right. and the cost of the ingredients to make the lotion. Yeah. Is not the most expensive part for me as the workshop provider. Mm. The most expensive part is whatever I send home the lotion in. Right. Glass or plastic or paper bag. Mm-hmm. I mean paper bag, no, because that's <laughs> that's not expensive. But <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. Whatever option I choose, totally. that will be the most expensive hmm. part of the workshop. Hmm. So that's frustrating because you're, you know, I'm trying to avoid it in the first place. <laughs> it's also the most <laughs> expensive component. So yeah, that's that's annoying. Um, what was your original question? There was something about
0: yeah. How did you um, transition from um, more like make the decision to oh. also have the bulk option? Yeah. Um, but I think it's also really fascinating. They were talking about how like packaging is the most expensive part of it. Right. I mean, I think more like I I'm. I'm super curious about that too because you know I've definitely um, I know Lush has come out with um, a sort of like packageless yep. um, one. Um, it works pretty well. I've I've used their um, like face lotion and it's 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 great. But it's uh I mean uh there's only certain I think like components that can be in that to be able to hold. I'm sure um, that's different than like you know a lotion where you like squeeze it out yeah, and you have the texture of it
1: too. Yeah. I mean and that's what we're used to is right. the texture and it is. Yeah a big part of it for most people (laughs) so you know that adjustment some people are willing to make it and other people aren't and and um and again I have people coming in who don't even know what zero waste is so they're coming in because they want to learn how to make lotion pure and simple and they're not they don't care if it goes home in plastic or not so it's a you know it's just a it's just like an ongoing conversation in my head yeah I guess as far as like the decision to sell things in bulk it was just a no-brainer I mean that you see it happen with many other things and I have these big bulk containers so and if I hate packaging in the first place like if you bring it in
0: great right Right. I mean it's great that you you have that option for for people like myself and other people too that want to you know get bulk products for that sort of thing and
1: you don't necessarily like a essential oils is a great example I mean buying a big thing of essential oils like nobody needs that Mm. I mean I do because I use so much but you know if you just want to come in and get an ounce and who wants to do that through Amazon
0: that's a good point yeah I mean I feel like those little essential oil, oil bottles are small you know and you go through you know if you really like essential oils you're going through so many packs I mean yeah it's does have a little glass, but it definitely has that plastic lid and if you're going through it over and over again, it just makes more sense to just refill it. Yeah. So exactly. I love that for, for that sort of option. Um yeah. so I wanna um kind of like step back a bit um when you were talking about uh, you know, having um, having you're pregnant with your third child and then trans uh, transitioning to that and now you have four kids um, you're running the Portland uh, mom's blog you're also doing Frigg's Mercantile um, slash make and take which is the workshop part of it um, how do you find the balance of it all or how do you kind of I don't think finds maybe it's not the balance but how do you manage all like the personal life with the work life at the same time
1: yeah, I mean, some days I don't, yeah. right? Some <laughs> days are just like, what? <laughs> um, but and I've had other people ask me that question, and I, and I think other entrepreneurs will will relate to this, which is that I find it so much easier to balance my time because it's my time mm-hmm. versus balancing my time kind of owned by something else. Mm-hmm. So working at a hospital, I had to be there, I had to clock in at 8.30 right. and it could not be before 8.23 mm-hmm. because it was seven minutes on either side of my clock in time. So like I had either 8.23 to 8.37, I had to clock in sometime in that window right. um, and then clock out at whatever time I finished, right? right. But um, that time, that all that time was not flexible time, mm-hmm. right? So that, that was what I was doing. And I think a lot of people thrive in that sort of – uh, contained setting, right? Like this, yeah, it's that environment, but it's, it's set Mm -hmm. and I don't thrive in that. So I would much rather, uh, like I, before coming here, I was at a meeting at my kids' elementary school and then I came here and then after this, I'm going to go to another meeting and then I'm going to go pick up my kids and then I'm going to go write something for the blog and, you know, switching things around all the time. That is how I balance it is that it's, it's fluid and m- always changing. Like no day is the same as the one before. Um, wow. but that is what works for me.
0: I love that. Cause I'm definitely like, I love structure. You know, I have like, I'll have film days. Like this will be my film day and then tomorrow will be my editing day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can only like do like one sort of thing at a time, but also I don't have, you know, currently don't have kids. Right. So, um, I have a puppy, but that's so different, you know, they're, they're work too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> um, but, um, Yeah. I think it's, it's really cool that you, it's, you're open to the fluidity of it. You know, you just like, it just comes and goes. Do you feel like you understand like what the next day is like day by day? Or do you kind of like know like the week of it or the month?
1: Yeah. I would say I try to, I try to get a good, um, overview for the week. I mean, obviously you have to plan out months ahead of time, but as far as tasks go, I'd say I do it weekly. Um, and I always try to have A few hours, maybe two days a week that are just totally empty Mm -hmm. for all the, you know, admin and all the, um, there's just a lot of paperwork and things that aren't necessarily the joy of it, but that you have to do. Um, But yeah, I would say, you know, it's funny. I was also thinking like, maybe I've never been, you were saying you're, you're really like structured and this is that day and this is that day. Maybe I've just never thrived in that sort of setting.
0: Yeah. I think it's great that you you but you're open to sort of the flexibility and the fluidity of it. So, you know, no matter like what happens, you're able to kind of just go about it because I find that you know if anything kind of throws off my schedule, it's mm-hmm. really hard to get back really on track. You know, yeah. so then I have to like really like okay, sit down and then like start again. It's kind yeah. of like hitting that restart button. But the fact that you are so um, open to the fluidity. It doesn't really matter because you're just like, all right, well, I have time to do this and then I'll have time to do that. And then if that doesn't get done, that's okay. Cause then I'll just keep on going with the flow.
1: Yeah. And I also think that I, I try to, um, you know, there's some tasks that I can only do at the shop. So I, I definitely try to block that time and have that time set. Um, but something like for Portland Moms Blog, I can take it with me. I can, you know, swap it out if I'm stuck on a soccer field for an extra 15 minutes or whatever. Um, So the fact that I can take some of the work with me and I try to plan it if I'm home with the kids and not doing kid things, like we're all just doing our own thing. Um, I try to plan work that can be done in those circumstances for then Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, like always having to haul them over to the shop so I can do something in the shop space. But with all the kids there, that's not fun. So there is like, Uh, a lot of planning in the fluidity (laughs) if that makes sense
0: yeah it does I mean I think it's it's cool that you I I just I I admire that I
1: think that's a cool way to
0: kind of go about it because you know I feel like with kids it probably like this things just pop up and change all the time
1: that's what got me on this path in the first place was just this kid got sick and then that kid got sick and then and it was interesting too um one of my kids started having, they, I had them in after-school care, mm. um, and one of my kids started having, he, he was in kindergarten at the time, and he was just really struggling. It was like the day was too much for him. Mm. And um, we made the decision to pull him out of after-school care, mm. but that was only possible because I had two weeks prior mm. decided not to go back to the hospital job because I would not have been able to. Wow. Right? And so it was one of those things where I was like, okay, this is, this is what we need right now. Cause that was another case of flexibility. Like I would have had to, I have to go to work. I can't, he has to be here. There's no, make him do it. Um, but I was able to be like, okay, well, just pick him up earlier, (laughs) take him home. And it ended up being a lot better for him and probably for me. And
0: yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, we talked about it yesterday, but I think it's so, it's so cool. The fact that like, you know, you're family was kind of the reason why you decided to take that entrepreneurial leap and why it kind of allows you to to have both is being an entrepreneur and then also having, you know, kids to have that sort of like flexibility of one or the other because, uh, you know, I feel like some entrepreneurs that I talk to, it's just kind of like it's not it, – it's just about them themselves, you know. It's just, you know, the schedule that they would want. But for you, it kind of like it's how you work as a family to be able to do that.
1: Yeah, it was definitely the motivating force. Right. I mean, I think I had the tendency already, um, but no, definitely, definitely the motivating force.
0: That was kind of the, the, the push for that. Um, well, I'm sure that other listeners will definitely resonate with that. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, you already talked about like how your, um, your usual day looks like. Um, so (laughs) what's, um, what's next? What are you, what are you hoping to do now? Um, with frigs and the make-and-take, is there any sort of ideas that you kind of like or projects that you're really jazzed about um, currently? Or
1: Yeah, well, one thing that I've I've wanted to do since I started is to really enhance my own line of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm always making things. Right. Um, and sometimes I'll put them out, especially like if I do, let's say, a soap-making workshop. I don't want to waste the soap. So then that soap gets put out on the floor of, of the shop. Um, hmm. So that it's always like I'm teaching people how to do things, but I'm also selling the end product that I'm creating, but I've never really been able to push that forward, but just time constraints. So I do want to, I would say it's probably more realistic for 2020 at this point, but really try to work that side of things. Mm -hmm. And the other side of things is that I've been doing a lot of um, sewing and that sort of stuff. So bringing that into the space as well for, for next year. Um, Right now, I'm a little, the reason I say I'm waiting for 2020 for that, I mean, I'm making this, the products and whatnot still, no matter what, but um, as far as bringing that, you know, maybe online or making it more accessible, um, for now, from what I know from last year is that when the weather turns, the people start wanting to make things indoors, hmm. cozy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I'm really trying to get the Uh, workshop schedule sets and all the you know um, bookings pages on the website clean and crisp and ready so that um, I I mean I'm already seeing an uptick and the weather's still pretty nice so just to sort of prepare for the season I know the holidays just I was just uh, floored last year I I worked way more than I think I should have (laughs) Um, but you know that's a great problem to have yeah But um, so right now my focus is on just like being ready for fall slash winter. And then in 2020, it's sort of that product beast.
0: And seeing what happens with that too. Um, I actually, I'm going to go back a little bit too. Um, So I I guess you didn't really also talk about how did you get into the sort sort of DIY movement? Like what was that? Yeah. How did that kind of come into fruition? Was it something that, you know, you took a class or you um, started uh, reading a book or something like that. How did you get into the DIY movement?
1: Yeah, uh, I always tell the story for the soap making workshop. So uh, it's all soap making's fault, really. <laughs> so uh, both my husband and my son had pretty severe eczema. And um, I didn't really believe my husband. He said he, he had it on his hands. Hmm. But he said that he only had this one soap that he could tolerate, which was from Trader Joe's, hmm. a specific type. And so we would just go and buy 10, 12, whatever blocks of it and run through it and then go out and do it again, to sort of stock up. Right. And, uh, they discontinued it. Oh. And so, and I mean, this was like 10 over 10 years ago. Wow. So they discontinued. We even called the corporate office and we're like, Hey, we really need this soap. <laughs> what did they say? <laughs> it discontinued. Uh, other people have told me like, they always do that. And I was like, Oh, I didn't know that that was a thing that Trader Joe's does, but I guess it does. Actually, I don't even really shop at Trader Joe's except for, for that soap. So, um, so they, um, so I didn't actually believe that my husband, when he said he could, that was the only soap he could tolerate. I kind of thought, okay. whatever, you <laughs> know, like, that's not very nice, but like is. You know, I I didn't have allergies as a kid, and I have them now. And I remember as a kid being like, those people with allergies, they're just making it up. (laughs) You know, uh, it's really awful when you have it for real. So I said, just buy, it was like oatmeal and honey soap or something. And so I was like, just buy another oatmeal and honey soap. And he did. And of course, it was like painful for him because he got it on his hands. And Anyway, so it was actually his idea. Let's try to recreate the Trader Joe's soap. So he did all the research and bought the equipment and made me watch some YouTube videos and read some books. And I was kind of like, okay, sure, yeah, let's do it. Um, And then when we actually did it, I thought it was the coolest thing.
0: (laughs) And what did he think?
1: He thought it was cool too, but he didn't get obsessed. Like, I got obsessed, (laughs) right? right? I mean, your whole business thrives off that now. Exactly. So, um, So that's how. And, you know, I think it's also our upbringing. He was raised to sort of do more things from scratch and so on and so forth and and I wasn't necessarily as much so it was also sort of a personal evolution of like oh you really can just try to make something or you really can just you know do some research and make it on your own
0: so. so did you just start making like so.
1: everything or yeah it sort of was a slippery slope like I said it's like uh I started making soap and then I was like well maybe I can make lotion and then you know bath bombs and lip bombs and all the things wow. that, that go with it um but we also you know started like um making kombucha and um, you know all the other canning and pickling and all the things that people do so it just it just sort of took off from there
0: gotcha.
1: that's why I, that's why I blame soap making
0: did your part uh, your husband have any idea that it would just it would just kind of snowball no i
1: don't think and yeah, he might have never decided to do it in the first place <laughs> he's like look what this got me into um, but the thing is i think the ultimate thing is that and this is what I see people say in the workshops: is they're always like, "This is easy." Hmm. I mean, there are some hurdles that you have to get past, but mostly all of these things are easy, and they're things that two generations ago pe- everybody did. Right? You know, like canning, for example. Right. Um, but it's just been lost somehow, mm-hmm. um, and and there's no real reason for that.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that people now are starting to wonder why. Um, And I don't have the answer to why, but it's really rewarding to be able to go back to something like that.
0: Yeah. I feel like you kind of like empower people in so many ways, too. Was that a huge like kind of your why of why you started Frigs and Mercantile Um, to kind of like help people and show them, like, I can yeah. do this myself. Yeah, I guess
1: so, a little bit. I mean, I started, I started, like I said, during that one year, sort of just doing these little one-off workshops, and it was just, it is really rewarding to see people be able to say, oh, whoa. Yeah. That's-
0: that I can just make it myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of having a store telling you, this is what you need, this yeah. is what you need to buy because it has this proponent to it. Yeah,
1: especially something like soap, hmm. right, which is... I mean there are things that I don't I don't ever really want to learn how to make that right. they're just too complicated and crazy. Mm-hmm. But soap is not one of those things. Mm-hmm. And um and then it's nice to be able to customize it however you want and you know work out a formula that feels good to you and yeah. and that sort of thing. So it's it's both like an enjoyable experience and like super practical.
0: Do you feel like um when that sort of light bulb goes off when you work with people do do they tend to start telling you like all the new things that they're making too after that I mean a
1: lot of the well even a lot of the people who come for the workshops are that kind of type anyway you know they're like oh I'm working on whatever it is and you know but um but yeah I think it definitely sparks things for people not everybody but a lot of people
0: when people have that sort of light bulb come off, they realize that it's not that difficult to make. You know, they're just like, oh, wow, like I could do this myself. I don't, you know, I don't need to go to the store. I don't need to, um, you know, get the specific brand because it has sort of things. Be like, wow, this is the same like chapstick that I use or this is the same similar to the same lotion that I use or the same soap that I use.
1: And I think people are becoming aware of labels a lot more. And, you know, you can make a lip balm, well, you know this, you can make a lip balm with just a couple ingredients that feels really nice and is really great and doesn't have to have weird stuff in it that you can't pronounce. So I think that it's also a little bit tied to that for people, Mm. you know, oh, this is what I put in whatever I just made, these five things. Well, why does that thing say that it has 20 really chemical sounding weird things in it? That
0: you don't even know, like can't even read the first two syllables of it,
1: yeah, exactly. yeah. and I think that this sort of we're all a little bit more uh, paranoid when it comes to labeling and yeah. what is actually in the stuff we're putting on our bodies or in our bodies. Yeah. Um, then also being able to see it's just these things. that's all I need. Right. and it feels just as nice. It works just as well totally. is rewarding for people, yeah.
0: do you think that people will start um, making more like the DIY movement will kind of resurface a lot more in this time? Or do you feel like more brands will start coming out with like products that are easier to
1: read? Like, what do you think? Probably both. That's my guess. Um, If you can can capitalize on that, people (laughs) will. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I think a little bit of both.
0: What is one piece of advice that you can give to a fellow ecopreneur that's just starting?
1: Oh, good gravy. Yeah. Oh,
0: wow. One piece of advice... Or it could be several if you have have a couple in your, your toolbox.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I was talking to you a little bit. This is my big my big learning thing for this year has been, and I'm not doing it yet with Friggs, so maybe I should listen to my own advice. But is bringing on people when you're ready. Yeah. Um. So I, we were talking before about how with the blog I was doing it. All, all myself. I, I did have an editor, but otherwise, um, the rest was all myself. And then recently, I've brought some people on board. And it's made a huge difference for me as far as being able to, first of all, have other people in the space to talk to about it. Like they're more, you know, they're inv- invested and involved. And I don't feel like I'm out there on my own so much. But also, it gives me the opportunity to not get in the weeds quite as much and be able to see a little bit bigger, um, picture. Right. Um, what that looks like for Friggs, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm still sort of, um, like more in experimentation phase with right. that than, than with the blog. Like I have, a, it's pretty anchored now. So, um, it's more like bigger vision and execution than like, what is the big vision? Right. Um, but yeah, so having other, p- having good. Yeah people, uh, that work with you, um, empowering them. I mean, one thing that I like is that now I know that I'm also helping other people through the, like work, right. That's a great feeling. Um, and then, I mean, I guess the other piece of advice is, and I'm, I'm, I'm working more on this now, but it's not working all the time. Mm. (laughs) That's a big one. It is a big one because So much of the work is what's going on in your head, too. Yeah. And so actually checking out and doing something just because that's not related to work. Yeah.
0: Um, So relatable.
1: You know, Uh um, staying true to, like, exercise regimens and eating well and just the things that, like, the doctor told you when you were 11 years old. You know, just those sort of – those things really do matter. Uh, if you're not healthy and you don't feel good and all that, uh, you can't really show up for whatever your big project is or, or right. whatever. So, um, and that's sort of like a big focus for me, the healthy part. And then also just the sometimes setting gotcha. work aside.
0: Right. And like h- kind of shutting your brain off. Cause I understand that too. I feel like when I'm running an errand or just doing anything, my brain is thinking about work. Yeah. It's cool that you talk about that because I feel like when people ask me, you know, like, when did you take a break, for, you know, take a day off for me? I think like, yeah, I took a day off this day, but I definitely was still thinking about work, you All know, right. like, oh, what about this idea or, oh, that didn't really work. So let me try to adjust this sort of thing. Yeah. So how do you, um, how do you, when you say check out, like, how do you kind of just shut it off? Because I feel like, you know, it's so easy to let your mind wander and think about it because you don't really think of it as work because you're not physically doing it, but your brain is still taking the time to put energy into it. Yeah,
1: I mean... I. I'm not great at it, so I don't know if I should be the person giving advice on that piece. But I also think that having kids, they kind of force me to, because they will, you know, get up in my grill and start telling me that I need to be more focused on the, you know, game we're playing or whatever it is.
0: They're like the. Uh, did you see the movie Inside Out? Like the, the little voice. Like oh yeah,
1: <laughs> totally. Oh, I love that movie so yeah, much. Oh my gosh, so great. Um, and yeah, of course they saw it many, many, many times. <laughs> I do have to say to go back a little bit. Right. I think on the flip side of all of that is that, and and this also gets back to your question about you know how do you balance? Um, is that a huge difference for me from like leaving the corporate world or the medical world, both of which I was in for a while, and going on this entrepreneurial path is that ninety percent of the time work does not really feel like work to me. Like, it's fun. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's enjoyable. It's, you know, I'm I'm exploring something creative or something new or something different. Or, you know, the stuff that I don't enjoy is some of that stuff I was talking about before, like, the admin stuff and just the nuts and bolts of running a business that just comes with the territory. That feels like work. But all the rest of it, It not so much, Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like as long as I feel that way about it, that, like, need for balance is not going to be... You know, it's like I'm limited by time and like physical energy. Uh, And so I need to keep those things in check. (laughs) (laughs) But that like need for balance is not so much of an issue because I'm not, I don't feel burnt out and I don't feel uninspired. I feel, you know, I feel great when I'm working.
0: Right. Because the work that you do actually fills you up energy
1: wise. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that that's maybe a third piece of advice is like check in with yourself and like, do I like what I'm doing? Am I enjoying this process? Right. Is this like slowly making me want to like curl up into a ball in the corner or do I feel like, you know, open and expanded and, and, excited. and excited.
0: Yeah. That's a great one. I mean, I think um, I like the 80, 20 rule, which is, you know, 80% you should love, you should love the work that you do. But right. 20% is kind of the, like you said, the nuts and bolts kind of to get to that 80% of yeah. it. Um, do you feel like it's for you? It's more 80/20 or maybe it's bigger?
1: I just said 90/10, yeah, so I'm feeling yeah. pretty good right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yes, aim for
0: 90 and 10 instead.
1: I mean, the only thing is that I think that I can get so excited and into it that I can sometimes like not be laser focused. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So like that's my and so where does, is that in the 90 or is that like where I got to rein it in lady? Like, you know, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) It kind of also reminds me of like the
0: saying too, which is, you know, if you had, you know, um, all the money in the world, would you still be doing the work that you do? You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like for you totally.
1: Yeah. My husband one time was like, you know, if you were to go on vacation by yourself, you know, and you, you know, you, you couldn't go to like, Europe or something like it was just like a beach vacation or something. What would you do with your time? And I was like, well, I'd go on a jog and I'd <laughs> I'd work, like <laughs> <And> <laughs> probably do some of the things I have to do for work because right. it's
0: yeah. For you, I guess the the line kind of blurs a lot, right? Yeah. Work versus and play.
1: But I can't be back to the the balance thing. I can't be always doing that. When I'm with my kids or whatever. Because then I'm ignoring them. (laughs) And I don't want to be doing that. (laughs) So, so, you know, I do have to turn it off sometimes, which, which is where I go from there.
0: I actually, for your first piece of advice about kind of, um, handing the work off, how do you, um, how do you know when to hand off the work? You know, I know for Friggs you said that it still takes a while, but with the Portland's Moms blog, how did you make that decision? Like, okay, now I need to hand this off.
1: I actually went to a conference that was organized by the network. So the website is part of a network of similar sites throughout the country. There's like a hundred of those sites and we're each individually owned, Mm -hmm. but we have a yearly conference. And it was really talking to the other owners uh, about what works for them and what doesn't that I started thinking, I think I'm the only person here who isn't in some way delegating some of these tasks to other people. I mean, I'm sure that's not true, but of the people I spoke to, almost all of them had a small team assembled. Um, And so that that was probably what inspired me to do it. I had been thinking about it for a while, like, oh, I really gotta do this. <laughs> yeah, right. um, but, you know, making the jump to doing it for real uh, was probably that. So, you know, colleagues basically yeah. advising. To do that. Yeah. And I, it took me a little while, and I'm like, now oh, I should have done it so much earlier, <laughs> right?
0: Right. Cause you're like, I remember you telling me that you, you said that you're actually making more now since you've hired the work.
1: Yeah. And I think it's because. You know, and maybe it is partially that enthusiasm piece, like, you know, new people and new roles. uh, They're not as new anymore, but they're really enthusiastic and they have the time and mental space to kind of go after different things. And um, and maybe I wasn't I just wasn't doing that. There's just there is only so much time and I was doing other things. So um, that's that's probably why. And yeah, it's it's funny how that works, right? You would think that paying somebody else you would end up having less.
0: Right. But instead you have more, which is really cool. That's awesome to hear for some people because you know, it's it is that sort of jump of, you know, okay, I got to make that sort of payment, you know, is it going to is it going to even out at least.
1: Yeah, and I don't know that there's a guarantee ever for that, right? Like it worked in this case. I don't know yeah I mean it might not work for everybody i'm and I, I know it won't work for everybody so how but how do you know that? How do you know that I have that's that's yeah. like
0: right but I think I love just the advice of handing it off though because then you can spend so much time in the eighty percent ninety percent
1: yeah, and I think that maybe you know I'm pretty um type a and um Yep. I got to get the things done and I have to be on time and all that. And I think that, um, when you are that way, holding on to the reins is also kind of comes with that. Yeah. So letting go is hard. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel like I, once I made a se- I made the decision to let go. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, no, take it. <laughs> like, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, it w- and it's worked out <laughs> I love that advice I also would say that this isn't a creative setting and so enabling creative people to have a creative platform right. feels good for me and for them mm-hmm. it, it looks different I would assume if I were to hire for Frigg's for example and have somebody come in and you know man the retail portion mm-hmm. or for you know eight hours a day right. that's maybe less inspiring
0: Gotcha. So, so a lot of the ways the people that you hire for the Portland's mom blogs, they still feel like they're being very creative and they're okay, and they're in sort of the work that they love to do. Yeah. You know, because we're all different. You know, we all have different uh things that we like. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like it's great to learn and um grow, but there's sometimes there's moments of just handing it off, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think that's great. That's perfect advice. Um. One last thing. So how can people connect with you?
1: Oh, um, so you can go onto the website or email me. So the website is either friggsmercantile.com or maketakestudio.com. They go to the same site. Um, and then both of the email addresses are hello at both of those, friggsmercantile.com or maketakestudio.com. Make take and then if you're a Portland mom and you want to check out the blog, portlandmomsblog.com. Right. Um, and then we're on all the things, Instagram, Twitter, yeah. Facebook, all under those names, all the, all, the social medias. all the social medias. Yes. All the things.
0: Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here. And yeah. My yeah, pleasure. yeah. Thank you. Hey, Couponours. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd enjoyed this episode, come on over and join me at the zero waste habit. I'd love to hear your story and what positive impacts you're making in the world. Anyways, I hope you're having an awesome day and I hope to see you in the next episode.